Hi everyone and welcome to the fifth episode of Broken English Podcast. Uh, for those who doesn't, do, do not know, my name is Mila Panic and um, today we, ha- we are recording a podcast in a very nice bookstore cafe with two guests. Uh, one of them is uh, my long-term partner and best friend Sasha Tatic and another is also a very good friend of mine that lives in New York, Natasha Predjevic. Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone. So uh, I'm also going to start like always reading their biographies so you can uh, get a bit of uh, introduction of their work. Uh, so Natasha Perelevic is uh, an in- interdisciplinary artist and cultural worker through collaborative and collective feminist practice. She focuses on eman- emancipatory role of art in a development of radical imagination pedagogy and justice. Starting with college and assembly strategies, Predevich focuses on healing potential, potential of uh, polyvocality on the intersection of media, personal poetics and histories. For the last 10 years, she has been working and thinking with students, collectives and organization in the organizations in the field of art, culture and social justice. She's one of the initiators of the transnational platform Heckler, formed in New York, which focuses on collective questioning of hospitality and conflict, merging artistic, pedagogical, and organizational methods. She mostly finds herself on the route between New York and Užice. Uh, and the second guest is Sasha Tatic, Bosnian-born artist, a storyteller, storyteller of life. Her practice reflects uh, the continuous processing of the fact that her origin is left behind and her identity is evolving and merging with a larger whole. She is in a search of the appropriate ways of addressing the challenges of living a fully embraced life as a foreigner, carrying the responsibility of attachment to the values of family heritage. Sasha is a co-founder of Fully Funded Residencies and an art association an online platform that serves for dissemination of open calls, assisting artists and residents with residency opportunities and for sharing experience and critical reflection of residency on the residency programs themselves. She lives and works in Berlin and she visits Bosnia as often as she, as she can. Um, first, I want to uh, just address that for us, it's uh, very strange actually to speak now in English language because we usually share the same mother tongue. So don't get surprised is if sometimes you hear us actually switching the languages. Uh, you will probably not miss much, but for us it's, I think, very uh, like uh, natural to switch between two languages that we speak. And uh, yes, maybe I will start uh, with Natasha, and because Natasha was one of the first persons that she contacted me, and we spoke uh, about the uh, my first idea of having a podcast regarding the language and um, she was very much interested because I think she was having similar thoughts but living in a in a country where actually English is a first language and how was her experience with this but also through collaborative work and maybe we can start from there uh, how was your reaction also when we first time spoke about this and um, without even kind of having an idea okay we're gonna record the podcasts based on language um well thank you for uh, all the introductions uh it's really great to have you both uh, in here and share you know time and space in in new york um so 
Yeah, I, when I saw the, your first uh, announcement, it was something like, oh, who, is, uh, who would be interested to produce or to collaborate on, on this podcast? Um, I was I'm always excited when I see people starting something and just like experimenting. That's um, first first thing. Then, um, you know, thinking about the, when we talked about the concept of broken English and especially the, the kind of how, how language become, language in general um, becomes this like prism or a lens through which um, uh, class, race uh, and different kind of social and political constructs kind of bro- break through um, was something that like, deeply resonates with, um, with many, with all of us, uh, especially as immigrants, as migrants, as, you know, all the, the um, identities, like multiple of identities that we embody. Um, but specifically what was, um, what resonated was the, the aspect of broken uh, English or, or pollution of this kind of like perfect what what is what does it mean to assimilate what does it mean to speak perfectly um and uh, how pollution of that perfection uh, and perfection as like ter- form of, of terrorism uh, of sorts uh, is a is a way of resistance and as, as a and i think of those as a, in my like relationships in my own kind of um, questioning, personal, political, whatnot, uh, as an artist, um, just like being in the world, um, it's, um, um, you know, we are kind of nurture um, these uh, cracks, like thinking of what does it mean to be broken? What does it mean to, um, you know, plant seeds in those, in those cracks? And, um, mm, People usually, um, you know, there is where, that's where the, the intervention actually happens. Yeah, what you were just mentioning just came to my mind. Like, I mean, learning a language, especially if you're like a grown-up person, not as a child, but comes sort of naturally. It's it's a really matter of technique and like commitment. But I feel like we managed to turn it in a, into something more useful, more beyond this like technical aspect of learning some language but actually through this pollution or even sometimes rejecting to pronounce something perfectly just not because you can't you can but the effort that you would invest in doing so does it really um, reflect the what you gave in will it come back because you will never actually be on this level to um, I would say blend in a certain way and uh, yes, so for me it was like, I mean, Sasha now mentioned as well before we started the podcast that whenever she travels, and I know for me it's, it's the similar, uh, similar urge, like if I'm traveling to another country where um, it's not Germany where we are currently based, that you have urge somehow to speak German. I don't know where this comes from, but it's somehow like you want to offer another language thinking that they will not, if, if they speak like French, I know when we were in Paris, I, I would like start German thinking, oh, this is the foreign language I know, please take it if you can. Well, I think it's a big influence living in Germany because I, before you actually mentioned that you want to do this podcast, I was never feeling oppressed by not pronouncing something correctly in English because for me, since I was growing up, it was always a special skill that you kind of acquired in your educational 
process. And then German was always something that you kind of cannot grasp completely. And even today, it still feels like, yeah, it's not perfection how you speak it. Therefore, English is actually perfection in my own eyes. And coming to to New York now felt like, okay, I feel some kind of relief because I know I'm going to use the language without this um, baggage in that I have in Germany, although we live in Berlin and using English is quite common. And all of our friends are kind of international backgrounds. So none of us is speaking British English. And it's quite normalized that English sounds differently everywhere you use it. And then you're coming to a, a country where you can freely use it and you feel like, oh, finally, I don't have this uh, uh, kind of flaw of not pronouncing or not using German whenever I was supposed to use it. Well, I think it has also to do with, um, well, in United States, there is a um, this kind of embraced immigrant uh, culture that is actually a cultural capital of of uh, of the United States. And um, for me, moving, I, I haven't had experience of like living in Western Europe for a longer period of time, or definitely not in a in a capacity that you have. You have like most of my immigrant experience, most but all of my immigrant experience is actually in the United States. So um, I um, kind of share that that coming here uh, as someone who loves conversation and loves to talk, I need it. I need to speak to to like like feel alive, and uh, I'm going to speak it how as you know however I can. And um, I think that you know my kind of proficiency in English comes from um, relationships and actually comes from conversations and the empowerment also to speak English comes mostly from that. Then the toxicity of you know speaking good English um, actually comes from work, um, and that's where the the kind of pressure of speaking in a particular way, uh, prof professionalization of English um, is something that uh, has more of a toxic, um, like um, um, you know colonial um, you know stamp to it, um, but. When I remember when we talked about the, like language in general as like what does it mean for language to be broken, especially when it comes to you know uh, being based on how we speak, how we sound, how what is our tone, what is our like expressiveness in language, where we are being categorized. Like I've uh, felt that um, my first experiences were actually in Serbia, um, and um, to be uh, you know policed uh, in that sense of uh, where. Um, especially starting to study art and getting into elitist or for what for my experience was an elitist like unknown kind of uh, to that point circle uh, that's where actually like the biggest contrast that was kind of like traumatic happened um, to um, just have a sense of like not belonging and I've experienced that in like more palpable way than actually coming into the um, similar discourse in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, but like, let's first to make it clear, how long are you living here in States now? Well, this year in August, on my birthday, <laughs> will be 10 years. Wow, 10 years, okay. But so, going yeah. back and forth, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and I know we also were mentioning um, that actually you pointed this in a way that I was not maybe aware of it. And that was that why I was also looking forward to come here to New York and record podcasts, not just with you, but with other people who live here. Um, that maybe the notion of broken English doesn't mean the same here as in Europe, let's say. Like, and uh, we were mentioning this, like, ah, if uh, if I speak broken English from uh, from France, and I'm from France, it's as you were seen also differently than if I would speak a broken English, and I come, I don't know, from the um, so from from southern Africa or North Africa or from India, you're like seen in a different level. So it's like there is a hierarchy, but also it's very much connected to to the slurs and also to the race. And um, so I think there is a bit more um, to to it than in Europe, I would say, because here it's a huge um, geographical area that speak the same language while in Europe like in a couple of hundred kilometers you can come to the different culture different language where everything changes which is interesting because like especially when we um, considering that we are in New York City like right now actually you know in um, lower Manhattan um, there the New York itself is the this in, insane cacophony of, of languages and cultures. So Queens has the highest density of um, languages in the world. So there's like over a thousand different languages being spoken only in Queens. Um, there is like several examples of languages that there is like a single person that is the only carrier of a particular dialect or language that is like a last in the world. Um, so to have this kind of like English kind of like hegemony, you know, um, imposed onto all these different identities, histories, lineages of labor is something that is really fascinating about the United States um, and as, a, as an empire, as a you know, so-called first world um, country. Um, and, uh, and Europe, you know, with its colonial past, I would think that has very different, uh, um, um, that that kind of, but what you were referring to in terms of accented, accented English, which is not always broken. Like if you have French uh, accent, French accent in English, like it's not going to be considered broken. But if it's like from Pakistan or if it's from, you know, like Middle East or if it's uh, Caribbean, then it would be from the perspective of whiteness considered broken English. Yeah, and it would set up the certain mood in the room. I think we were addressing this already before. Like, and I, I mean when Sasha mentioned okay she was feeling relaxed coming to New York for me it was a bit I was stressed because um, I was a bit more aware of my accent when I speak here um, not in a negative or particularly positive way it was just okay um, they will un understand or maybe they will confuse with some other accents which actually they some people did but I was a bit more stressed because out of the how you say the um, not belonging here it's more visible like because if i was born here you would properly speak the language like native but it definitely says to you you are not from here while in germany they cannot say this because i speak english they cannot tell to me oh are you are you german like it's not acceptable to ask me like why do you assume this because I speak in English, why do you assume I don't speak perfect German that I'm like not born here? It's a, sometimes like I was thinking about this, um, but yeah, I was not like so stressed 
but yeah, I, I, I was a bit more aware of this accent thing. But uh, about, I, I know we were mentioning, now I'm getting a bit lost, but, and, you know, sometimes I feel like coming here, I think we are addressing this, I feel a bit dull or sometimes I mute myself by a fear of like speaking about certain things because here it's so fucked up in so many levels like on uh we were speaking about class levels about race levels and even me like doing a research even this podcast here I feel a bit like super cautious like oh can I say this can I say it because I feel I would be um you know, with all these folk cultures so much attacked on so many levels if I would speak in a in a matter because here you need to speak about color of your skin, I feel, in every topic. I don't know how it's for you by living here, but I really feel stressed. Like, is it my place even to do a research on the topics I'm working with in my artworks as I'm here on residency program? Because I feel like I'm not sure if I'm entitled to speak about this here. And it's so much international the city as you said and culturally diverse so it kind of makes sense but I feel like yeah I'm still you know I was brought to attention many times like ah you're gonna speak about this but you know you're still white and we were speaking about this that you know in in Europe at least it's not seen that you know you're doesn't mean that you're white if your color of your skin it's white you know but here it's really you cannot, I, I try to say in some manner like, oh, I'm not maybe perceived white in certain areas in the world. But he's like, no, no, you are, doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a big, um, that's a big topic. Um, so, um, you know, talking about whiteness is not, um, or white supremacy is not necessarily just uh, in terms of identifying as being white or not, or skin color, but distribution of power and wealth and how the practically like in the in the like the simplest like core of it abuse of power and us as coming from eastern europe like for me transitioning to us for example um was um for the first time i was addressed as european so i the, and a lot of us coming from especially southeastern europe from balkans from um, you know, periphery and margin within the Europe itself and the experience of being othered, not just within the European context, but also within our local context, within our class context and like all that stuff, um, you know, transitioning into a country where we are immediately labeled as like white women um, is something that we need to kind of like unpack uh, because it is on like true, like we are white and uh, our proximity to whiteness and uh, the access points are absolutely working in our advantage within capitalist like within racial capitalism now is the question like do we identify with that and how we identify with that and like if we are resisting um you know how we are resisting but the reality is like when we look into the the, the history of immigration and how this kind of like threshold of whiteness was actually moving from you know from polish people or not being white irish and whatnot um the you know the the more embracing you are of the capitalist system the your proximity to whiteness is is higher to the point where you um, believe, you know, especially if you're hyper capitalist, yeah, uh, that um, these kind of like ethnic lines and othering lines are being erased because you're accumulating power and capital. So um, that um, the the like there is, you know, the going back at the beginning of the question, like. Um, 
um, we have, for a lot of us, coming from um, you know, former Yugoslavia, absolutely, especially even Bosnia, uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina and Croatia, uh, but also, you know, Serbia in terms of so many, like not, not just looking at the recent history, but the history of colonialism in our region, the history of war, the history of like, you know, uh, shifting political ideologies and whatnot, and absolutely like impoverishment, just like the, 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 ex the extractivism and impoverishment and whatnot, like our experience is non-white experience from in that context, in the context of Europe, plus being othered, and it's like a joke, you know, that we are like Mexicans of Europe. Um, oh so, my God, that was one of my jokes for the stand-up. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's really, I mean, and it has been, so, but it's now how we are seeing like how that is shifting when you have the influx of, of refugees from Middle East, from South Asia, and how our whiteness, uh, you know, our proximity to whiteness serves us, how it serves Ukrainian refugees, how, you know, the, Europe, like the, the, you know, the myth of like liberal democracy in Europe is just like completely shattering. It's all a bullshit. So the, the capital of Europe is, ra ra you know, it's based on racial colonial, you know, capitalism. So um, the, that question of like, oh, what can I speak about? Am I going to, you know, say this and that? I think that what all of us need to understand that that fear it's not be fearful, but to actually be uh, curious and open to understand where, how these complexities function. Um, and I mean, the whole another conversation is like rigid radicalism and like people trying to, you know, out, uh, out radicalize themselves. And there is like a competition of like who is more radical and that kind of bullshit, which is not helping anyone. Um, but um, yeah, we all have very complex positions that exist on some kind of, um, you know, hierarchies of social and political order that I think as artists, is, it's, uh, uh, it's important and uh, like, uh, not just artists, but art and cultural workers to deal with that and to find solid lines of solidarity to actually expand this conversation. Otherwise, it just becomes like this kind of isolating like, oh, am I, am I, you know, like isolating um, fear that just like serves the dominant system. But yeah, I mean, to deal with insecurities, because, yeah, as you said, this fear, it also comes from this insecurity, which is totally fine to talk about. Like, um, but I also want to, like, congratulate to Sasha Tatis because two days ago, yeah, she received finally her permanent residency in Germany. How do you feel? <laughs> well, I'm now listening what uh, Natasha is saying and I'm trying to collect my thoughts in in the matter of like addressing English and life here in United States because I cannot quite relate to it since I'm here now as a tourist and I'm not trying to have a major breakthrough on, on art scene over here and I'm still dealing with the problematics that are happening within Europe itself. So I feel kind of a little bit, maybe it's maybe like very radical to say it, but I feel a bit safer here because I think that challenges and conflicts that are happening over here in United States does not include uh, conflicts from southeastern Europe like that's so marginalized and so far that's like when I come here and with my accent I, I'm like 
who knows who are you like you become just uh, labeled as you're definitely european you have european accent doesn't matter which one but you're from there and then it's maybe a relief because i know germany is also part of europe france is also part of europe british people are also part of europe so i attach myself to these like bigger nations that maybe it's a kind of shield behind which i'm uh, hiding myself but within europe you're totally naked you know people from europe know that you're from southeastern europe with your accent and then it's so hard to hide behind this especially because not just uh, within european union but also in our small part of europe that we take we have so many conflicts within uh, our own countries and this talks about dialects and language itself how divided it is also has its own heaviness that you're carrying also while trying to speak some other languages and now i'm facing for example working in some project where i'm trying to translate the common uh, um, statements that i'm receiving from um, my family and of course that's always used in in a mother tongue and how to translate in in the most appropriate way to english because that would be the most generalized uh, way to show it to the public so they understand it but the heaviness of of translated phrase is not the same when i when someone says lako tebi and it's easy for you in at least in my mind it doesn't have the same value it doesn't have it doesn't carry the same level of judgment and and imagination attached to it because if you say the phrase it's easy for you it's used in different contexts but if you say it from in our region you know exactly what what it refers to that your life is so easy like it usually refers to the generalization of your life condition that improved just by leaving the the worst the less better place um well i think it's also um i, I hear what you're saying and it's really interesting that you know finding i never thought of not i never thought but i never like um uh you know in terms of uh, thinking of these like as you said like bigger nations as a shield as something as a place of belonging <clears throat> and going back to this kind of like uh, like identification with whiteness or like how that becomes a place of comfort and how actually the um the all uh, kind of you know capitalist um um machine machinery uh, uh, replicates that value replicates class replicates you know that sense of belonging within the places where there is already wealth like we are you know um where i've been processing a lot like when it comes to you know our context where throughout our education throughout everything like and you know like socialism and communism revolutions this kind of anti-fascist heritage but also the historic revisionism and wars that we went through um we've you know we've been systemically deprived from understanding of um eastern influence uh on our culture and um you know like islamophobia that comes from our uh, experience of ottoman uh, colonialism um and 
how and but also like the the that this um you know what what i find comforting um in um, is actually more like identifying with that like thinking of like what is our mediterranean identity what does that mean like not looking into oh i am you know so happy to be uh like um, finally if if but never um, um accepted by this like european canon or like european kind of identity uh but actually like really being like celebrating the plurality of our identity that we are not uh we are not just european like we are not we 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 through through our cultural uh, uh, experience through our like historic and intergenerational trauma, we actually have lived so many different um, cultural identities and histories that is way more complex than just like wanting to desperately belong to fucking like you know Western Europe, and um, and but like but it's interesting you know so what is the like all these mechanics which you know, in terms of dealing with colonial past. Um, I don't know, like, what is your experience when it comes to, you know, being in Berlin or being in places that are also these so-called, like, cultural centers um, that, you know, how, uh, like, in France, like, people are not dealing with their colonial past. Like, it's, you know, if you are not French, it's most likely you're never going to be considered that. Like, if you're not German, like, yes, you can maybe confuse for a moment someone by speaking English first. Um, but, you know, like if we think of the, the everything, the, all the effort and all the labor and resources are being put into, um, you know, us being packaged into these like easily digestible, um, you know, like packages uh, for some, some kind of like outside gaze, like, oh, well, I'm going to police you in a nanosecond and say like, okay, like you're there, 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 like I can fit you in my own kind of hierarchy and to know how to actually like behave towards you. It still comes from the position of, of uh, domination. Um, so, but I think it's like really like for our region, um, it's, uh, um, it is really complex. Um, and this question of whiteness is really important. Like to I don't know if you maybe you did not listen to the last podcast where Antonia Buric was a guest and um, he really stressed almost the whole tone of his identity just in his biography where he was listing all political shifts and borders that happened within like ten years on Balkan region, like going from Yugoslavia, then, you know, how these borders were shifting, changing, and within this also perception of his identity. And it's like a social sculpture. We were joking about it. And this complexity, as you said, like, I know uh, in one of the podcasts, I also mentioned that when I came to Germany, I was unawarely ashamed that I'm from Bosnia. Like, and I was lying that I was from Serbia for a couple of times, which was not, you know, <laughs> you know, like I was lying, I don't know where I'm from. I think because it was uh, easily to um, understand the region, when you say Serbia or Belgrade, rather than Bosnia, but also I don't need to dig into the complexity of what happened there, so to not see through a certain lens. And of course, it took some years, even till today, to accept this, um, even like what 
I want to speak about because it was always this, ah, she's from there, she's from Bosnia, probably through her projects or art, she will touch up on certain topics that we already accept, uh, expect. So boring. And I'm, of course, I'm touching these topics. Like, whether is it war, whether is this displacement, whether is diaspora, which is all different realities of that region, that I should not be ashamed to speak about it because I feel I need, I, I have a need to do so. And I was um, three days ago on, on the talk of uh, uh, this poet, Ocean Wong, which really pointed this. He's an Asian-American poet. Uh, with origin from Vietnam, and he was also stressing this, like there is a responsibility that you might feel as an individual to speak about it because you feel it. Not necessarily that someone else expects from you, then the shifts of this exo exotism uh, is like when someone expects from you and you are like just putting on the plate what someone wants to hear for your own uh, profit in some way. But if you have an urgent necessity to address this diversity or this region where we come from, it's really, as you said, uh, went through so many shifts in terms of like, it's a bridge between East and West, and we should embrace this diversity where it's like expressed through the language itself. And I mean, many times when we come into the, in the, into the company of people from ex-Yugoslavia and you can speak the same language, everyone gets still like, oh, really, how can you understand yourself? You come from Macedonia, this person comes from Slovenia, you can still, like, address. It's so interesting to, it's not so, like, far past, you know? It's like 25, 30 years ago, and you can still, you still need to, like, kind of clarify, explain this, um, and how this all shifts within the language and your own identity. I mean, Sasha and I, we are born during the war and lived after the war in this what what's what's left afterwards in the situation that we kind of became aware of ourselves and still trying to understand the you know the past through our parents that are you know there's these mi micro histories like parents of my friend maybe will tell something different than my own parents and also even like trying to address this with your own parents who lived this like it's kind of you have a fear of it and then later in your projects and when you move somewhere else to kind of um, put the puzzle together, it's very hard. And I think it's going to take the whole life to um, put into this, uh, put your own identity or like kind of understand. So I'm like, even what I don't know or say something wrong, I'm still like, okay, I'm learning. Even like me accepting myself for who I am to not be ashamed of like uh, where I come from, it took like a lot of years, you know? So I don't know how it was for you, Sasha. Maybe it was different no, I would generally agree on this idea that you mentioned about doing what you feel it's right, because I feel what we do through our practices, and I see it in the younger generations of artists coming from Bosnia, that there is some kind of process of breaking the myths for the people that are still there in our region, because what we are doing and projecting through our works is not just the story that you want to tell to the whole Europe to understand this small region, the small part of Europe that is in the south, but also to the region itself. Because there are so many judgments, so many uh, um, predicted thoughts, attached imaginations, 
And these shifts of experiences going outside of this region and coming back also changed. Like why I left Bosnia to in a search for life somewhere else was totally different from the generations that went there like five years ago, 10 years ago. And what I project to my family and what they perceive from my life is still attached to the to the definitions of gastarbeiters that went over outside of borders and they were still so attached to the homeland and they were still investing and building everything back home while working outside and my idea of going outside was searching for more opportunities that I cannot get within my own country and advancing myself, my education, my experience. <clears throat> and at this moment, I don't see myself coming back and moving back, although I have this security that I can always come. So my idea and reasons why I left are totally different. And what I want to give to my family back is completely different. I don't want big cars. I don't want Mercedes to bring home. I don't want to build a house and change facade three times, put a big fence and show off to the neighborhood that I accomplished something in my life. No, like I want to enjoy life. I want to spend all my money in traveling and experiencing other cultures and expanding myself as a person. And I see this in the younger generations of educational migrants that this is naturally happening, but people who are back home they still project the old-fashioned way of perceiving someone who migrated for some reason just to have a better life to have more money it's not just about that it's also partially about living life a bit easier like it it doesn't mean that my everyday struggles are less or that i don't have problems in my life or that i don't strive to something better even from the point that they see that is already better. But I don't know, like I think through our works, this kind of affects a little bit to change the, the per perception of, of new generations of migrants. When you mention this, like, I think the, I mean, talking from my own experience, it's not about uh, or family expects me to, you know, build something. Or, but this is, I guess, a way of showing off that you respect still where you come from. So you're like showing that you never left and that you are still care. So this is like a one way of caring. And, you know, like giving uh, out of you know, when, when I speak with, with my family, with my grandmother, it's just like she needs to be reassured that I will never forget where I come from. And uh, whether this is like, could be through materialistic things like investing in stuff. So, oh, you know, you still think of maybe coming back there. But I'm a bit uh, like with this question of will I go back or not, we were talking about this. And having examples of, of, of my aunts that that are now, like, you know, when they were younger, like our age, every vacation they were going somewhere else. Now every vacation they go back to Bosnia. 
every single free day that they can steal from their jobs, they go back there. I don't know if it comes with the age, with certain like being tired of something or like overconsumed of everything, and then you come to certain revelation. I don't know what's gonna happen in a couple of years. Like I'm keeping this open. Um, and what actually the value, I guess you get sick of everyone like bullshitting and pretending and like trying to be better versions of themselves where then maybe just at the end stays uh, very simple things like very simple values like okay I have this simple life I have a house in the village I have chickens around me I have a grass I can cut every week maybe it comes to that at the end I don't know I'm a bit uh, sad or maybe not I don't know maybe I'm gonna be really happy about it maybe I'm gonna be disappointed about it that I will just at the end again invest and build a house in Bosnia maybe I will but for now I have no answer of this and Natasha and her sister have uh, Yelena um, they have a great project actually reconstructing the whole house in the village in near Užicena and I know when I was talking with her sister and I was really moved by this energy that was really, as Sasha also mentioned, like you need to reassure people in their own region how valuable they are. Like class, working class, where they would say to you, oh, it's so good for you, just leave, it's great. Just leave this per, uh, country, leave this region, you're going to succeed. Where actually they think they, they're not, um, val they don't have even value that they are there. And they still live there since they are born till they die, but they don't perceive of themselves as a worth of investing, worth of coming back to, worth re, re, like, you know, making life there. And that's what's sad. If, they t if, if we are grown, grow up in a different environment where you are seen as like very proud of where you are and like everyone wants to come there, maybe it will be different. But this is what hurts me also personally, that your parents, my parents, your parents, it's just they don't see themselves as like some desirable way of life, like it's less worth. Mm -hmm. um, so many important things that both of you said. Um, um, I think, I don't know, it's, mm, it's definitely, it's definitely a journey and the you know, obviously, like, there are individual reasons why people have relationships, how, you know, what are, you know, relationships to one's background, culture, um, and those really vary, and they really do go back to under this umbrella of, um, you know, systemic, um, systemic repression, and how we fit as, uh, as peoples that are on periphery, on the margin, discarded, now overexploited, um, and what is the fabrication of this dream that life is elsewhere? That the, as you said, you know, that where we are from, the life uh, is well less valuable. That is not worth living. That um, is the place where you maybe, um, especially with like older, kind of like generation of migrants, um, you know, like gastarbeiters, and like there's something where you come to to build a big house or come to die. Uh, but if you you know, also have more money, you would rather die in Norway than, you know, like in, in uh, Serbia or Bosnia. And, um, um, but uh, it all goes back to, for me to the question of dignity and how this, uh, these oppressive and oppressive 
you know, global politics um, um, are actually shaping our understanding of who we are and our self-worth. Um, and for when it comes to Balkans, when it comes to uh, definitely, you know, this kind of like post-Yugoslav context, um, uh, we haven't had uh, tools or we haven't had education nor any kind of like nourishing, critical, uh, affirmative and feminist, first and foremost, uh, like integrated systems that would actually, uh, um, you know, um, put us in a place to understand like what happened to us. Because we've been shaped by propaganda, by manipulative, you know, heteronormative, ethno-nationalist narratives that that there is no, there are no official histories. There, are, there is no official ways of, of uh, uh, memorizing or um, paying respect to. Um, um, you know, we talked about, um, you know, um, you know, like now when you mentioned um, uh, Yelena and uh, Yelena, my, my sister, uh, she's also an artist, and actually, thanks to Yelena, I was, uh, she introduced me to art. So she was the first one, even though younger sister, I have to like. Um, the dynamics, younger, older sister, especially, <laughs> need to like. Uh, so this is a moment to uh, to give Yelena credit for um, for uh, putting me on the path. Um, so yeah, so Yelena went back to came to study to US. Uh, she was in Connecticut, and then two years ago, actually in 2020, um, went back to um, to Ojice, or more specifically to Ljubanje, um, the the village where our dad is from. Um, with the idea that we, you know, we're discussing and kind of like fantasizing about in the midst of all of this that you were mentioning, um, how to actually, uh, you know, transform something that is so much based on conflict, on this like generations of labor, generations of s sacrifice and commitment. What is that? Like, what does it mean to owe something as a child or uh, where are healthy boundaries? How to actually work on that? Because... For most of us, um, we um, we are shaped in places where there is no intimacy or there is no understanding of like what is the intimate space, what are boundaries, and grew up in collectivist culture that has um, under kind of like you know patriarchal pressure um, uh, violated us in so many different ways, like our bodies, our senses of self. Uh, where you have to fit into these particular categories in order to be socially acceptable, even though you are never socially acceptable. Um, but there is this kind of like, you know, immense people pleasing that is absolutely normalized um, as a trauma response. Um, and when we are talking about fear, it's like so much of fear-based parenting that is such a like, it's a range of, um, you know, so many generations under different politics um, and uh, struggles, um, you know, have been uh, shaping, like, how we relate to each other. So if we don't have those conversations, if we don't have places and systems and programs and whatnot that are actually really focused on that healing and that knowledge and critical thinking, that, uh, and that's where, going back to what Sasha said, it's, just, it's like how we... You know, it's not a. Uh, it's one thing to, which is, you know, to. Um, I'm going on tangents, but I'm like trying to. I'm chasing what you've what you've said. 
um, it's one thing you find yourself in the outside context that is, you know, either like Western Europe or United States or whatnot, and you become, you, as most marginalized, you know, people or, or marginalized positions are, you find yourself where you are this like allegory of your own nation, allegory of whatever, you, you know, you find yourself belonging to. And then you feel this pressure to actually educate everyone around you where you're coming from to, you know, like for someone coming from Serbia as myself, there is this sense of like, you know, huge guilt where like, oh, we are not all murderers. We are not all butchers. We are not like this, da, 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 like, you know, but also like there is the, the recognition of crimes. Of, you know. So it's like really funny to me that you would actually go somewhere instead of saying that you're Bosnian, you would say like, oh, I'm Serbian because Serbia for me has never been, you know, the, a place of, um, well, I'm going to proudly say that I'm Serbian. You know, there is like a huge sense of, of fabricated kind of guilt and shame and, uh, for uh, like I think younger generations, I don't know. Uh, I th I think that's where the changes for younger people um, who are born after the war. But um, you know, even like we are here in New York. Like New York is absolutely commodified. It's just like the the you know fantasy of New York and fantasy of being successful artist and blah blah blah. And like you're at RU right now, which is like a little you know hub for uh, like replicating this, you know, capitalist, um, um, you know, image of New York being a center of the art world, which it's one place that is actually like marginalizing local artists by importing international artists and like further, you know, commodifying it. Um, so, but, you know, the uh, biggest point is that like uh, what these places are important. It is really important, that question, like, who am I talking to? Who am I in conversation with? Um, because a lot of, I feel like a lot of time in our kind of like cultural, I guess, politics, we're always directed towards like, oh, see us, accept us. If from this kind of like submissive position versus like, no, we already have our value and our history and our like knowledge that is uh, absolutely enriching and valuable and uh we come from the lineages of immense dignity and um and human struggle that um, we need to celebrate that because no one else is going to celebrate that for us um so you know going to village what yelena is first and foremost like doing there with our you know with family uh, like in the past couple of years like immense amount of work um and also you know what's happening um, you know, with younger generations of just like, oh, we are doing this for ourselves. Like we are speaking to each other. We're doing this for ourselves. We are recognizing value and uh, and uh, common points of struggle, but also experimentation and courage and like beauty in us for our own region. And but not in a sense of like being exclusive, but actually, like no, you know, at the end of the day, it's just like fuck it, like. No one can, should tell you like who you are. Like you, you explore that for yourself. Um, and I remember when the first kind of like writing, when I was you know becoming aware of just like oh I have to explain to myself and someone else that uh, where I'm coming from. Uh, when I was uh, when I came to to school here, I I came here to MFA program, um, was like. Um, hmm. I lived in four countries without ever leaving my hometown. So what does that mean? Like, um, and if you cannot translate it in English, like, 
it's completely fine. You don't have to translate it. It's like it's important for it to find a piece and a place in in yourself. And uh, we understand each other um, um, way more through. That's the power of us as artists and like the the ability of. Um, translating that art is everyone and it is a liberatory tool that these like mental images the poetry the you know in between words in between translations is actually where our freedom is and not by you know easily putting something in a box and like shelving it somewhere so someone can like modify it just like fuck that yeah i mean somewhere in in this thought of yours i i just wanted to reflect that what i'm doing somehow i ultimately just want to reach somehow to my family and just get them to see that whatever they expect for me like they see that i now live a successful life in their eyes but what i'm still missing and i don't know if i will ever be in a position to have a right moment and right atmosphere and conditions to address them and tell that what i'm still missing from them with all this imagination that they built upon me is that they actually ask me how i feel because it's never no one ever asked me am i happy like they see you're successful you you're doing good you have a job you manage to stay there you have a roof above your head you can always come back home but no one asks nor understands if i'm missing something if it's in some ways harder to maintain relationship with them as well although i find it something the most valuable in my life i don't want to lose my family like this is something i'm that gives me also power to continue doing stuff because I always have someone that that's gonna support me. Well, the question is, would they ask you this even if you live in Bosnia? That's the thing. It's not a, you know, growing up, as Natasha was saying, like not expressing emotion because that was not something um, you should do or show. And I hope it's gonna change. And it's changing us just being aware. But I just wanted to... Because, you know, Natasha speaking, and we all speak like very emotionally about these topics, where we come from, how we should perceive ourselves. And we are here, like, you know, sitting in New York, in US, very far away from that reality, and like also speaking the English language for, for others to hear. And I hope that people who are from regions where we come also can understand. And, um, Yeah, so I don't know, like, in a podcast you can do a subtitles, unfortunately. <laughs> no, but, like, it's really... Yeah, I just found this, like, a very interesting thing to mention, maybe, or, like, just being aware. And, yeah, because we are part of diaspora, and we are still caring so much, sharing the knowledge, sharing the, you know, being, like, in solidarity with each other. And But we still, there is this, like huge pressure of division between those who left and those who stayed and like to not see that you still care and even if you come back you don't ever quite fit the same way because you will seem a bit like outsider who came back maybe failed maybe not like oh are you crazy and like you know it's 
it's seen as not something that you should use in so like because there is huge amount of people who left that region and it can't be just in it so you were left geographically but you never left emotionally or mentally you know, every day you think about it you have some kind of connection to it through food through language through uh, thought so I would never say I'm not living in Bosnia because you live every day just introducing my first and last name I'm already like there and but yeah there is still this like it's not seen this like connection and the firm bridge and the strength it's not there between people from diaspora and or they are very much traumatized let's say from 90s so they don't like even thought of it I spoke with people who needed to flood their towns and they're very much traumatized even of the thought of like that region so of, of course I understand this but people who are younger went for education and want to invest like intellectually into that region still there is not so much of the like strength that should be there and I'm not just saying about our region probably in different parts of the world it's similar and like yeah so how to bridge this, how to overcome this, how to be more uh, like, yeah, to nurture this solidarity and understanding of both sides of the coins. Um, but that's mainly, well, the bigger issue, like at least from um, my experience and the people who um, just you know, meeting different people, um, that belong to so-called diasporic group. Um, within our context, it's also this uh, really, there's a complexity of who, how people identify with the region and um, people who identify as Yugoslavs uh, and rejecting these kind of like post-Yugoslav um, national identities. Uh, it's additionally more painful to actually get back into the context and embrace that and normalize the situation. But then the reality is that like these are different countries and the, all of these countries are contexts for themselves that um, as much as uh, all of them are, you know, fucked up like politically and economically, they are their own kind of individual autonomous contexts. Um, so um, to think um, of this like idea of like what you were also working on and you are working on like idea of return um the i really do think that it's an institutional question um it's a matter of infrastructure that um together with this uh what sasha was referring to of like sense of um one's own uh, identity and dignity and like finding joy and and kind of like bravery within that um i think in order to understand like that we are borderless like in terms of where all our people are, we have to also embrace the fact that our imagination, courage, um, um, uh, historic experience is limitless and it's fluid. So, uh, but within the, you know, the region, the, we still have very much like fear-based politics that are going to do everything for people not to get into that place of, of kind of free, um, free uh, thinking, like solidarity, um, collectivist, like healthy kind of like collectivist, um, um, you know, um, being together and, and education. Like, um, so it's really, um, 
uh, I think it's challenging because, you know, going back to like the personal, like also with, uh, with my family is like, yeah, I mean, uh, for example, like my building in Užice where, uh, you know, like Yelena and I grew up, um, most of the people, I think like 60% of apartments, just in that single building in one like small, you know, small city in Serbia, um, kids are abroad. Like for different reasons, it doesn't matter if it's education or is it like working somewhere or being on a cruise ship or, um, you know, or uh, at some point like needing to leave the country because of criminal abuse and now then sending money later for just like working class, you know, um, uh, people who now are adults as, you know, as we are. Um, but these are all traumas of, of um, um, you know, uh, you know, criminal, criminal governments that um, have been serving um, and like doing everything they could to, to exploit and to turn people against each other. And I think that, you know, it's up to us to really work on those connections. And, you know, like what you said, like we are having this conversation, like talking about emotions, like it's going like to be really like to basics, um, like how you feel, how are you? This like question that is completely you know, emptied out of any meaning of like, how's it going? How are you? Kakosi. I mean, like even in our language, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Um, so um, to go really back to those basics, it was just like, oh, what do you feel? Like, how does it feel in the body? Um, and, you know, we were talking about therapy, how, um, you know, like being, you know, being on therapy, not being on therapy and whatnot. And for me, like it, it's a, it was a crucial transform, like point of like transformation to actually um, you know, really have focused time to deal with my kind of like neurological and emotional makeup of just like, where are my reactions coming from? Like, you know, to, in order to understand, like when, when I, you know, quote unquote, go back, what am I, go how am I going back? Like, because every time when we move, when we go somewhere, we change, like we are different people. Like it's not, there's so many moving parts within us. Um, and then the question is like, what is the glue? that you know keeps those together and i definitely think that's a, that's a dignity and the dignity and the freedom that we owe to each other um and the this kind of like cultures that are like hyper individualist they're not based on the understanding that the freedom is a collective right that, that it comes from a collective liberation it doesn't it's not just like you know one's own personal benefit um and requires a lot of work um, and it's like funny because as artists and like as much as like unfortunately art is being completely segregated and now serves to, you know, this kind of like cultural production that serves, the, you know, practically the elites. Like it's, you know, and us, we come from working class families. We don't come from places of privilege where, you know, someone was um, that we, you know, we weren't born into the, uh, the, the art um, uh, to like cultural, uh, you know, cultural elite, but it was also the process of actually, um, like, that's also the question of like emancipation, like who, who, who is emancipating us? Uh, what are we emancipated into? Um, and I am always um, really moved and, you know, happy that um, the people who actually come from the experiences of uh, like marginalized uh, um, you know, experiences and um, um, have, like the more, the more struggle and the more traumas we actually had to deal with, the wealthier 
you know, there is an abundance of experience that actually helps um, for community to be, to be established and built and to be healed in that process. Um, and there is this really great, um, now when I'm talking about this, I'm thinking of also a group that um, has been um, really like, you know, like life affirming that I've been part of in the past, I think couple, last two years maybe, uh, Balkan Mama Therapy. Um, which is, it's not, a, it's not a therapy group, but it's more like a community group with um, uh, Selma Bacevac, who is a psychotherapist from uh, Bosnia uh, and Herzegovina, um, who is based in Florida. And it gathers women um, from our region uh, that are either there or... Um, so it's like a lot of conversation about um, different like levels of, uh, of traumas and kind of... The, the strength that comes from that experience when it's actually being processed in a right way um, versus emotions that are suppressed, like violence that is being normalized. Um, you know, even going back to just like how many comments is just like, oh, well, you know, when it comes to like physical abuse or emotional abuse, psychological, just like, oh, well, like my parents, like, you know, beat the shit out of me. Like, what's wrong with me today? Like, I'm perfectly fine. Well, like, no, you're not. Like, I'm not, you're not, like, we're not. Uh, <laughs> it's not, like, um, but yeah, that's a big question. Like, normalization of violence and how we learned that being this, like, stoic, resilient, like, strong woman, you know, how we carved our way into normalizing patriarchy. Um, and there is a lot to unpack there and learn. I feel like I'm learning every day. It's just like, shit, okay. Let's go back and figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say on, on top of all of this that, I mean, this thing that you're doing with this podcast is, is an amazing example of how to build these bridges and learn from each other and maybe reveal some truths that are not reflected very often. I don't know, like, I feel like I learned about my own region more by leaving it and meeting other people from the same area because you you had living examples of different experiences that somehow put some puzzle pieces into each other that before were just, like, myths. Like, oh, as Mila said, like, as a Bosnian, like, it was more prestige to be Serbian. But then, like, you meet <laughs> someone from Serbia, and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you think it's completely different. Like, that's a wrong thing. <laughs> Now, when you mentioned it, I, want, I just want to reflect on this. When you're saying, I think why I was saying this, because, you know, I'm a Bosnian Serb, and uh, my parents are Serb, Serb, Serbians, and, you know, Being Bosnian Serb, when you go to Serbia, you're always like a cousin from the village, you know? You're not really Serbian, but like, you know, okay. And I think it was always this nationalistic idea that was really integrated in the, you know, also during the war, like, okay, you need to identify yourself with a certain nation, with a certain language, with a certain region, and, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm like a Serbian, so, but I live in Bosnia. Probably the Serbia is the way I... It's, it was really something like really deeply plugged into you as a child, as like, you know, celebrating certain days that, you know, I don't know. It was really strange, like, 
becoming aware of your own identity or what it means to be Bosnian Serb and what kind of value this has through the history of that region and how it's now like merged to we have like three identities, three culture, three languages, three alphabets, two alphabets. And like, you know, it's, it's, you know, you need time to learn this. And actually by leaving Bosnia, I learned all this or at least put also pressure on myself. Okay, Mila, you need to know where you the fuck come from, you know? Don't give others uh, power to tell you where you're from and what do you know about yourself. Even what I don't know about yourself, about myself is reflection of where I come from, you know? So this was really something that really by leaving, I, I became aware of. Absolutely, and yeah. Yeah, if, um, identify with that where I left, um, I went to, I came to U.S. in 2012, um, actually on my 26th birthday, um, and um, I, uh, and not from, actually never wanted to come to U.S., it was never my dream, didn't fantasize about it, um, but through circumstances, um, applied for a program that was recommended to me by a friend, and um, that was fully funded, accepted it, and um, otherwise would never be able to to fund any of that um, and um, but uh, that move didn't have anything to do with uh, career or any, I really like on every possible level needed to just leave and to uh, distance myself from the context and to be like literally so like I was working like in Ojice, um in education um, had clear kind of image of why I also had issues with authority, why I had issues as a student um, with the dynamics within the classroom, the discriminations within the classroom. And then when I went back in as a teacher, which at that point I wasn't that much more like, I wasn't that older than my students, um, I realized that this is not going to change. Like this is... This is really like that no one cares about it. No one cares about us. No one cares about students. Like that they're not the priority. Their well-being, emotions, and dreams are just not. Uh, um, so, um, and um, I think when it was, I always carry with me this memory of when I came to U.S. and there was a friend um, who was a generation or like two generations ahead of me in the program, um, really amazing photographer. Uh, Rolando Palacio, uh, who's a Mexican, and doing a lot of documentary photography, uh, how um, when we were talking about uh, uh, experiences within our own families and our towns, how much he actually coming to U.S. realized the level of, of oppression and violence that were present within, uh, within uh, his context and uh, how he had to actually, like, read, you know, he read his own experience in the books, um, in the literature, like academic texts that were actually like dealing with, you know, um, you know, border, border histories and politics. Um, and um, how we both found ourselves in this uh, um, um, understanding that the, the trust, like having trust and practicing trust is the ultimate form of freedom for us who actually come from places that are so much like infused with mistrust as a trauma response. And I think that uh, in these, like creating the spaces as, you know, the podcast or these sanctuaries or these like 
places of gatherings or assemblies and like what we are also doing within trying to do within Heckler, which is also like a crazy like learning process is to um, undo our mistrust and to build uh, the, the trust in oneself, like self-confidence um, and also understanding that our struggles are interconnected. Um, and and the trust we, to other person, yeah. like other human being, because this is always... Yeah, like, yeah. because like, you know, um, so much of what we hear, and especially when it comes to media, and that's where the, the kind of... Um, um, you know, the, this like rift um, between you would like, I would hear so many times um, um, how, mm, you know, people like people who are, uh, uh, you know, in uh, living in, in Bosnia uh, think like how, what is the image of what people in Serbia think? Like, do even, do people know about Sarajevo? Do people know about this and that? Like, um, and there's, um, and for me, it's always like mind blowing that like we all we go to these places, we go like in like somewhere like so far away, you know, to live and like get you know affiliated with the context and whatnot. But the reality is just like we don't know, as you said, like what how our everyday life look like, like just across the border, and like what is what's happening in some Bosnian cities, what's happening in some Serbian cities because all of our countries are centralized as well. So when you say that like, oh, I wanted to be Serbian outside of like, you know, identity uh, as, as like national identity, there is this also like, you know, image of Belgrade as being the center of, you know, everything. And the Serbia is like absolutely centralized. It's just like all the resources are going to Belgrade, um, all forms of resources where I am, I do believe that um, the, um, cross-generational solidarity when it comes to decentralizing culture uh, is absolutely needed in the region. Um, well, I think some of those shifts are happening and I hopefully, you know, people are, as the, the some trauma, like the years, I guess time is the best, you know, cure of everything and like being aware, I just hope it's not going to repeat also. <laughs> time can repeat themselves itself as well. So I think this podcast is going to be a bit longer version than usually, but that's great. That's fine. And as Sasha said, I'm really happy, like, um, even this, like, small number of listeners, there was such a great feedback of people recognizing themselves in uh, stories because, yeah, we are not doing, like, factual podcasts. It's more about really emotional and personal histories that can tell greater story and people can like see that they're not alone in some experience and yeah we came we started from language which i think it's great time always like my starting point and then it goes somewhere else and um, i hope uh, that you enjoyed this uh, talk i mean it was also great to catch up um through after some years we saw each other last time and uh Yeah, as I, uh, before they say their last words for this podcast, I want to address the listeners that uh, I think in the beginning I said it's a fifth episode. I apologize. It's a sixth episode. <laughs> And uh, yeah, you can still write me your feedbacks, your ideas, your suggestions, which I already received a couple of them and they're great. I will contact all of these people who you suggested to talk with and you would like to hear from. Um, the you can write on the Instagram page, which is 
Broken English Underline Podcast or the Gmail account um, podcast.brokenenglish at gmail.com. I hope it's right if it's not double check on the text. Um, so yeah, before we stop this recording, I want one more to give the microphone to Sasha and Natasha if they want to say something uh, at the end. Thank I just want to thank everyone who, who are going to listen to this and thank you for being a witness of my first ever visit to New York <laughs> that is being recorded and forever existing in the now when it's when it gets uploaded it's going to be forever present somewhere in the universe of internet that I have been <laughs> in New York uh, and I touched the American dream. <laughs> Waking up out of American dream. Um, yeah, well, I had, uh, it's, a, it's a really an honor to be in a conversation with you all. And I'm happy that you started the podcast and that this is actually happening. Um, and yeah, welcome to, welcome to New York. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, um, Hope everyone who you know who is listening is going to feel invited to be in a conversation, and um, let's also start a branch of this in our own language and um, uh, involve people and let's do start a jam session of vulnerability, politics, and um, yes, this revolution. Is definitely, what <laughs> I want to invite people. <laughs> I want to invite people. I want to invite you guys. Like. It really like that we are doing it in English. It's also you know sort of privilege, but I really want that this goes out of the borders. That becomes sort of an art form. Like last episode, we have a bilingual poet, and she was reading poetry in Arabic, and it's it's so great. And you know I'm having just every day like great ideas how this medium of podcast and like like sound that you just actually get involved in the conversation by listening. It's not just like writing comments and like reading someone's writing. You actually can be part of it. And, you know, and I'm just trying to think of this sound as a way of like art form, not just through conversation, but, you know, one of them can be just the whole episode in Morse code, you know. <laughs> just thinking of the boy and more as more as I'm doing it, it's becoming... Uh, more creative in uh, terms of like what can be from this and I hope that people will be encouraged to contact me and like say yeah I want to do three episodes and that's great like I have then one month free uh, you know so that's uh, something that I would like that someone else did this before that I knew about it that maybe I don't need even to start all this but you know I could just hijack someone else's podcast um, yeah, so thank you very much for being part of this and I can't wait to go to publish it. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Ciao. Ciao.